We're continuing our sermon series this morning uh, as we go through the lectionary through the summer. And our, our passage this morning comes from one of Paul's letters, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 10, or 2 through 10. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer again. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 2. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses." But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated." Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So periodically, you all may know that every year, uh, Tallahassee Magazine puts out a best of Tallahassee list. You might see these when you go into restaurants or places of businesses here in Tallahassee. You might see a little plaque on the wall that says, The Best of Tallahassee 2021 or something along those lines. Julianne and I actually check out this list each year because we like to, to go to these places and check out the places that they list as the best place in Tallahassee. They have all kinds of things. The best place to get sushi, the best place to get pizza, the best place to get your hair done, the best place to go to get your car fixed, all those kind of things. And, and we'll walk into some places and I'll see best of Tallahassee 2015, and I'll think, what in the world's happened since 2015? This business has gone to pot here. But uh, we like to go to these places to try out new places because it helps us to see, you know, these are the places in town that are, are bragging about how good their business is, or at least in this one particular year. Well, a few weeks ago, one of our staff members shared an email with me that said that our church had been selected as the best place of worship in Tallahassee. Well, in the midst of a difficult year, I was kind of happy to brag about this. And so I went home to my wife to tell her all about it. I said, Julianne, you'll be happy to know that our church is listed as one of the best places of worship in Tallahassee. 
Some of you know that my wife works at another church Monday through Friday, and so she looked at me a little skeptically, and she said, can I see that email that was sent to you? And she took a look at it, and she looked up at me, and she said, Brad, I hate to tell you, but our church got this same email this past week. But we're the best church in Tallahassee. I said, no, no, that can't be. And she said, no, I'm, I'm sure it is. And so I said, well, I, I, I drove up the street a few days later and saw another sign on Thomasville Road at another marquee of another church that said, the best place of worship in Tallahassee. And I realized, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be bragging about this accolade quite too much. As it turns out, there are lots of great places to worship in Tallahassee, but maybe bragging about it is not the right thing to do. In fact, growing up, we teach our children bragging and boasting is probably not what people like about you. To, to brag and to boast, even when we do right things, boasting is, is not a, a characteristic that we appreciate in other people. We tell our children not to boast, even though my Uncle Vern always said it's not bragging if it's true. We're just telling the truth, but... Uh, but truthfully, boasting and bragging is not something that's really appealing in other people around us, even, even when they do the right thing, even when they're telling the truth. Believe it or not, Paul the Apostle does a lot of bragging in his letters. If you've read his letters, even in the letter I just read to you, Paul does a lot of bragging. In Philippians, he lists a, a whole list of credentials of why people should, should listen to him and honor him and, and respect him as a, as a good Jewish follower of God. And, and even here in 2 Corinthians, if you go back to chapter 10 and 11 and read, Paul does an awful lot of bragging, telling the people of, of all the different things that he's done, of all the reasons why they should listen to him and respect him. And in fact, even in the first part of this passage, you, you heard me read that first part that's a, a little bit strange where he says, I know this guy who was called up to the third heaven and he had this incredible experience with God. Well, most people believe Paul is talking about himself. He's kind of bragging a little bit, sharing a little bit about the things that he has, the relationship that he has with God that other people should respect and listen to his authority. But after bragging about all of these things in each of these, these letters that he writes, he always ends it with this little passage or some little statement that says, but when it comes to bragging, I have nothing to boast about except my suffering or my weaknesses. I brag about my weaknesses because it's by grace that God loves me. It's through my weaknesses that God's grace is sufficient for me. Now, I dare say that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. We do everything we can to hide our weaknesses. But Paul somehow believes that it's through our weaknesses that we understand God's grace. It's through God's, our weaknesses that we understand God's glory. It's through our weaknesses that we understand God's love for us. And so that we should, in times, instead of bragging about the things that we do well, about all the things we love about ourselves, that we love about our church, that we love about our life, that truly that we should pay attention to those weaknesses because it's in those weaknesses that we discover God's grace is sufficient for us. Like I said, we normally don't like to, to brag about the things that we don't like about ourselves. In fact, we do everything we can to try to hide those thorns in our side, that thorn that, that Paul talked about. That thorn in the side, we don't really know what that is for Paul. We, we have a lot of speculation that it's some sort of physical ailment, but, but maybe it's better that we don't know exactly what it is because it gives us the opportunity to see ourselves in Paul. Paul had a physical ailment. Paul had something that held him back. Paul had something that he prayed to God about time and again, and that prayer just wasn't answered the way he wanted to. 
Well, I dare say many of us, maybe all of us at one time or another have had something in our life that we've prayed to God about that just wasn't answered a prayer in the way that we wanted it to be answered. All of us can relate to Paul in that regard, that all of us have something imperfect about our lives that we try to hide because it just wasn't answered the way we wanted it to be answered. Paul tells us no, and those weaknesses hold them up, lift them up, because it's in those weaknesses that we see the power of God. This past week, I was actually reading about a young child, a, a young man named Anthony Smith. He's actually probably a teenager now, but, but he was actually born with a hearing impairment. And so when he was four years old, he got a little hearing aid that he put on his ears. They were blue, and so as a child, he called them his blue ears that he put on. And so he, for the first few months, maybe in the first year or so, he enjoyed wearing his hearing aids. It was kind of a little novelty, but then his friends at the class started to point them out and, and maybe kind of make fun of him a little bit, and he realized none of his other friends had hearing aids, and so he started to feel self-conscious. He started to feel bad. He didn't want to wear his hearing aids to class. He also was a fan of comic books, and so he realized that none of his comic book heroes had hearing aids in. They all were these powerful people, people who were rich, people who had superpowers, and none of them had these impairments that he had, and so he took his his hearing aids out and never wanted to wear them again. Got really depressed and his mom got really worried about him. So finally his mom, desperate, trying to do something to help him, wrote to the Marvel Comic Company and said, can you please help my son? He's so depressed because none of your heroes have hearing aids. Well, believe it or not, the, the Marvel Company wrote him back and they sent him some comic books of some of their heroes who did have some impairments, who did have some frailties, but they took it even a step further where they wrote one whole comic book called Blue Ear, a new superhero who wore hearing aids. This became so powerful for him because finally he could see himself not in the power and the strength of all these heroes that he loved, but in the frailties and the things that maybe he wanted to hide, he could see it now in a hero. And maybe think of himself as a hero too. Paul says, God's grace is sufficient for us. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. We like to focus on the things that make us look good, that make us look powerful. But Paul tells us that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Maybe that's what Fred Craddock means when he says that, that it's somehow through our weaknesses that God's grace seems to seep in. It's when we're doing well, when our lives are full and happy and joyful, that we don't realize how much we need God. But it's in those moments when our tank is empty, when God's grace seeps in, and we realize how much we are in need of God's grace, and how God's grace is always there surrounding us, caring for us loving us and protecting us every single day. It's in those moments when we realize our need for God that we realize once again God's grace is sufficient. Now I have to be honest with you. I have a lot of sympathy for people like Anthony and people like Paul who pray to God time and again and ask for God's help because most of us don't really see ourselves in our weaknesses. We don't like to brag about those weaknesses the way Paul calls us to. I have to think that Paul must have some really spiritual discipline in order to look at his weaknesses, to go through all that he's gone through and to be able to look at his weaknesses not as a, a symbol of pain, as a symbol of suffering, but as a symbol of God's presence, a symbol of God's glory surrounding him and with him every single day. 
But let's just take for one minute, let's just take it for granted that he's right. Let's say for one minute that God's grace is sufficient for us. What would that mean for us if, if God's grace truly was sufficient that if we boasted in our weaknesses, we would realize God's grace is sufficient for all of us? Well, I dare say, if we could realize that somehow, some way, then we would receive the gift that we are all hoping to celebrate on days like today. We would receive the gift of freedom. Imagine for just a minute if grace was sufficient for you. If all you needed, as all that you needed was that assurance that God's grace had you and held you in spite of the ups and downs of your life, then I dare say that would make us free. Because most of us, grace is not sufficient for us. We want more. We want our lives to be perfect. We want to be powerful, rich, well-to-do. We want people to respect us. We want to trample over our enemies. And we imagine that God probably hates them too because we hate them. We want to be powerful. We want to have all that God promises us in glory. Rather than God's glory, we want it to be our glory. But what if for just one moment God's grace was sufficient? We didn't need everything else. We found our sufficiency in God's grace. I dare say it would set us free. Free from all those other things in the world that we try so hard to obtain. Free to face our highs and our lows, our good times and our bad times with joy, with courage. Because we know God's grace has never let us go. I shared this little story with you years ago. It's a story that my former pastor told me, Ed Anderson. He was serving as a chaplain at a VA hospital. It was when he was still doing his training as a pastor years and years ago. And it was then that he met this man named Howard Wofford. Howard was a, a, a veteran, but he had not served very long. He had enrolled in the, in the armed forces right after high school, but in a tragic accident in a swimming pool, he became a paraplegic and was forced to live in this VA hospital for the rest of his life. He had been engaged to a woman, and that engagement broke off, and his life seemed pretty sad. He went through depression for quite some time. But when Ede finally got to know him, it was many years later, and he was doing quite well. He was facing each day with some courage and joy, and he didn't know where it came from. He did all kinds of things with the technology that he had. He got on the computer and, and read books. He served as a, as a member of the, of the board at the, the VA, as a patient representative on the board. He even managed his portfolio online and did a lot of amazing things, and the minister, the chaplain, came into him one day and said, I just don't understand how you have the courage to do all of these things. How do you have the courage to get up in the morning facing every day with all of the, the physical ailments that you have? And in uh, an answer of, of pure faith, Howard Wofford simply said to him, well, I guess it pays to go to Sunday school because I was born on eagle's wings. God's grace is sufficient for me. And in the midst of that weakness, freedom. In the midst of that pain and that suffering, freedom. Because he knew that in spite of all that he had to go through, God had never left him. God gave him strength. God carried him through every day. Maybe that's what Ernest Hemingway meant when he said, all of us are broken by life, but some of us are strong in the broken places. 
Strong in the broken places. That's what we all want to be. But in order to do that, we have to do what Paul calls us to do. To look at our weaknesses, to lift those weaknesses up to God, to offer those weaknesses to God just like we offer our tithes, just like we offer our gifts, just like we offer our talents, just like we offer our lives. We have to offer our weaknesses to God too and say, use me. Use these weaknesses for your glory and show me, O God, through these weaknesses that you haven't abandoned me, that you've never left me alone somehow, some way. God seems to work more often through weaknesses than strength. Because you see, in the midst of our weaknesses, we find ways to unite with each other. One of my favorite quotes that I often share is that the blessing of our weaknesses is that it forces us into friendships. When people are standing on their power, they're standing out. But when they're finding common ground in their weaknesses, they stand together. So another little illustration that I heard from a Baptist minister in Atlanta, Dr. Bill Self. He tells this great little illustration of coming back from a, a holiday a weekend with his family. It may have been the 4th of July, in fact. He was driving back into Atlanta, and on their way back into town, a huge tornado warning came through. They knew the storm was coming, but he was trying to beat the storm back into town. And on his way back into town, they finally realized the, he- the rain was, was too heavy, and so he had to pull over. He pulled over at one of these great big gas stations but it was kind of still out in the middle of nowhere. It was one of those places that normally Bill would have never pulled over because the gas was way too expensive. But today, he pulled over and parked his car and they went inside. And when he got inside, this woman who was a cashier there probably didn't have a high school diploma welcomed him in and said, come on in and get out of the rain. And while he was there, more and more people came in, people he had never really associated with before. And in fact, while he was standing there, he got a tap on the shoulder and this great big tall guy with tattoos all over his arms who had just rented up on a motorcycle said, come and hold the door with me while we let more people in. And so Bill and this great big guy who he probably would have walked away from on the street corner had walked up to this door and opened the doors wide. And all of a sudden, people just came coming in by the scores trying to get out of the rain, this rain that now turned into a hailstorm. People of all walks of life, people coming in in Cadillacs and people coming in on motorcycles, people coming in 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 hybrid cars and people coming in in pickup trucks. And they all came in of shapes and sizes. He even noticed that there was one car with a, a big Republican sticker on the side of it. And then right beside it was a Democrat sticker, but they were all running in all together to get in out of the rain, to get in out of the storm. And then finally someone came in and said, the tornado is just about a mile ahead. We need to take cover. And so the cashier said, everybody, the safest place is the bathroom. So everybody needs to crowd into the bathrooms. And so Bill and his wife crowded into the women's room because the the men's room was too packed and they sat there huddled together in fear and worry, wondering if they would make it through the storm. Finally, the the woman who was the cashier came in and offered everybody free slushies because she was just trying to calm everybody down. They were so afraid. Bill sat there and realized, there's so many people in this room that I would never talk to. So many people in this room, so many boundaries that I've crossed that I would have never crossed before. All because we are united under one thing. We're afraid. We're weak. We're worried. We're frail human beings. And for that moment, Bill thought about all those people who came in those open doors and he realized that's what God means when He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Somehow through our weaknesses, God builds up the kingdom of God. Somehow through our weaknesses, we find common ground and God holds us together. Not because we're relying on ourselves to stand out, but because we're relying on God to help us stand together. And so it's Independence Day. Most of what we're going to do today is think about all the wonderful things about this country, boast and brag about the things that we do well. But maybe for just a few moments today, we might, often, we might offer up those things that we're not too proud of. Those things about ourselves, about our church, about our nation, about our world that we know are broken. Offer those up to God as well. Doing so, believing in those words of Paul that God's power is made perfect in our weakness, that God's grace is sufficient for us. Because when we're willing to be open and honest about the things that are frail about us, the things that are broken about us, the things that we want to change about us, then maybe God can take them and use them in a way that we could never use on our own. It's in those moments, in those ways, that God can take those weaknesses and pull us together to build up the kingdom of God. Not because we're powerful, but because we're weak. Not because we have all the answers, but because God holds us together. And in doing so, we may find that all of those things about our country that pull us apart, all of those boundaries that cause us to be weak, maybe one day we'll realize God's grace is sufficient for us all. And we will be strong in those broken places. To the glory of God. Amen.